We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and joining me as he does every Sunday is the one and only the great Kent Sterling. Kent, how you doing, man? I could not be more psyched for the series coming up. I can't wait to see these two teams play against each other. Let's just let's just get right to it. Who do you think is going to win the series, Kent? I think it's going to be the Heat, tell you the truth. I, <laughs> I, I don't like the matchup necessarily. I think their best players are better than our best players. And and that doesn't bode terribly well. I think in the playoffs, I think talent wins in the end in the playoffs. Maybe you can sneak a game through scheme, but uh, more often than not, I think the more talented team is going to win. I just think that the Heat actually, and it hurts me to say this, but I think they're the one team in the playoffs that just consistently play harder yeah. than the Pacers. And, and so I think it's going to be a tough matchup. Yeah, I, I have the Heat in six. I don't know how many games you have yep, it in. that's it. Heat but, in six. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Pacers are going to come out, though, and put up a fight. I actually had someone message me yesterday. Uh, my man Ed Lawley uh, sent, me a, sent me a tweet message, and he basically said, bold prediction, Pacers win game one. So I, I like the optimism from Pacer fans. I think the Pacers just have to come out and show they can beat this team because I think they can. I just don't know without Domas if they're going to be able to do it. I think it's good. what they're going to have to do, because in a seven-game series, you always have to do this, is you either have to match or exceed the kind of that level of enthusiasm and, and that level of, uh, of, of effort through, throughout all 48 minutes. And I, I think that it's not that the Pacers don't play hard, mm-hmm. but it's just that like last Monday, that matchup against the Heat, the Heat just played harder. Yeah. And and if you play harder, if you defend like the Heat did and you don't give up open shots to the Pacers, you got a really good chance to beat them. Yeah. Okay, well let's let's start here Kent because I know we kind of gave the uh cl- climatic uh answers at the at the end for the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> right. But I just wanted to get right into it, so I got to ask you. So, um what matchup are you most intrigued by in this series? Well, I think Jimmy Butler and T.J. Warren is really, really interesting just because of the history of these two guys. This is T.J.'s first trip to the playoffs. It's not Butler's first rodeo. And, and T.J., when you make it difficult for him to catch and you make it difficult for him to move with the ball, you can kind of control him a little bit, and that's what the Heat have been able to do with T.J. Warren. And if you don't have T.J. Warren scoring, you got to find points elsewhere and, and that, I think, is going to be difficult for the Pacers. I think that that's the matchup that's going to determine how the Pacers either sink or swim. And T.J. Warren with the plantar fasciitis, that's not good news either. Well, yeah, and see, I think a little bit of this matchup is being a little overblown, personally, because I don't really know if T.J. is going to be guarding Jimmy. We didn't see much of T.J. on Jimmy during the uh, Monday game in the bubble. We saw a lot of Malcolm Brogdon on him. And he didn't really shoot the ball well, Jimmy didn't. He got to the free throw line quite a bit. Um, I think he finished with around 20 points. I can't remember. It's been a week. But um, 
Yeah, it's just one of those things, Kent, where I'm like, you know, I'm not too worried about this matchup one-on-one, but I think... I talked. I talked about it last week with you. I know for sure. Uh, we saw. We saw how T.J. Warren, when it gets kind of emotional for him, like the Phoenix game and, and like this matchup. I think he just needs to put that yeah. aside. Don't take it personal. Whatever Jimmy said is just Jimmy. I mean, it doesn't really matter what he says. You just got to go out there and play your game and, and and impact this team the way you have been, and not try to make it personal. Don't try to force things and get a good look because I think he only took two shot attempts in the second half last last Monday when we played him. So he's got to do a better job of not allowing them to dictate what he does, but do whatever they're doing against him and take that and run with it. Because if they're going to overplay him, backdoor. We've seen him do that in other series and other games. Backdoor, get to the basket, cut, move without the basketball, that kind of stuff. Make them work. Don't just be a guy that can only be effective when he has the ball in his hands. That's one thing Jimmy Butler does so well is a lot of teams kind of shield him like he's going to three-point line like he's a great three-point shooter, and he'll backdoor him to death and get wide-open looks at the basket, or he'll get fouls. So that's that's the thing for me. That's That matchup is really intriguing, but I just want to see TJ kind of play it cool and not try to force and not let Jimmy get in his head. Well, and, you know, here's a matchup that I think could be interesting, and it's kind of an off-the-radar matchup, but it's Edmund Sumner and Duncan Robinson. Sumner did a really good job taking Robinson away as a three-point shooter. He's long. He's quick. He he can fight athletically, move through screens or around screens at a level that most guys on the Pacers can't, and that takes away Mm -hmm. Duncan Robinson as a three-point threat. And so if you take Robinson away as a three-point threat, all of a sudden the Heat get a little bit easier to defend. So that's that's kind of an off-the-beaten-path thing. I mean, I, I wouldn't normally recommend that the Pacers play Edmund Sumner really at all. Yeah. But in this series, with that matchup, I think that that's kind of interesting and kind of sexy. Well, and the thing is, Sumner's been playing pretty well the last couple of games. So he's got confidence, and that's what you need. You need guys with confidence, and you need guys to play tough and take it personal uh, to some degree because if you mentioned it, the Heat out tough the Pacers pretty much all year long. Yeah, The Pacers got to match that level of intensity and, and match that toughness. And I think if Sumner's able to fight through screens and make sure Duncan Robinson doesn't get comfortable behind that three-point line, then I think the Pacers are in good shape. You know, um, Victor Oladipo, I don't know if he was the primary uh, – ball defender on Duncan Robinson or if it was Aaron Holiday I can't remember from Monday's game but whoever it is they're going to have their hands full and I'm not sure I'm not sure who Miami's going to start whether Kendrick Nunn will start now that he's back or will go with Dragic but I think if Nunn's back that does help a little bit I think Dragic is a more polished scorer so it's someone you don't have to worry about as much but yeah the, the matchup to me though that I'm worried the most about is the uh, Bam Adebayo versus Miles Turner matchup yeah. And I'll just tell you a couple things. Number one, I don't think the Pacers should run their offense through Miles Turner as the main screener with Bam Adebayo being his primary defender. I think if they want to put Bam on Miles, you got to figure out how to get Bam away from the action because he's so good at disrupting things. I would put Miles almost as a stretch five in this sense and try to create offense differently. Use use basically whoever's guarding Duncan or whoever Duncan Robinson's guarding. Use him as the screener, even if it's Aaron Holiday. Let him go out there, so set some screens, get some mismatches. That way, you're not sitting there just running your offense trying to go at Bam, and you know that's just not a great game plan for me and, and that guard. No, and and that's true. And on the other end, as you're trying to figure out what to do defensively, you've always got to be cognizant that the 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 Heat are going to have five guys on the court who are really really comfortable shooting the basketball. I mean, in that rotation, you've got five guys who played regularly who all averaged between 11 field goal attempts a game and 14. And so this is a very balanced offense. They work in harmony together on both ends at a level that really the Pacers don't yet. You know, this is really, this is the first rodeo for this group of Pacers together. Brogdon and Warren had never played together. Oladipo had never played with Brogdon or Warren. I mean, you just got a lot of new guys in this rotation, Justin Holiday, T.J. McConnell, Doug McDermott, a lot of new guys, and they're going to figure out, they need to figure out exactly how to compete together and how to win together in the playoffs, and that's the way it goes, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's just basketball. You know, what you learn this year, you're going to be able to apply next year as long as the roster stays, you know, relatively consistent, and, and you're going to build experiences together and understand what it takes to compete at a high level, 
And and that's one of the reasons, too, that I think this is going to be a little bit difficult for the Pacers, and I would give the Heat an advantage. Yeah, so Derek Jones Jr. was someone that had his way with the Pacers and that and that yeah. second unit going back to Monday's game just because there's no rim protection without Miles on the floor. So this kind of goes back to my Miles Bam thing. I think Miles has to stay out of foul trouble, number one, because the Pacers are going to need him for at least 35 minutes a game, at least. I don't know if you can really count on Goga or Jakar to give you, you know, 13 minutes of good good enough play to win a win a series. Um, you might get a little bit of a flash here from both of them at, at different times, but I'm just not anticipating them, you know, having great success in the playoffs, especially, I mean, as much as I'm not a big fan of the guy, Kelly Olenek, um, yeah. he, he's a, so much bigger than Jakar. He'll have his way with him down low. And he's so much, I think he's so much smarter than Goga that his experience would really give Goga some problems. So I, I don't know <laughs> what the Pacers are going to do. They can't play Miles all 48 minutes. They got to play him at least 35, in my opinion. He's got to stay out of foul trouble, Kent, because if he's in foul trouble, the Pacers are in a lot of trouble. And it might almost be smart to go like super freaky. Uh, small ball with a bunch of shooters if that's the case because I just right now I, I know Goga and Jakar are, are fan favorites but I just don't know if I can trust them in a playoff series you know I'll, I'll tell you this though uh, talking to Nate McMillan on zoom calls and and listening to what he's saying since since like the middle of last week when it became apparent that the Pacers were likely to play the heat in the first round Nate McMillan, and that includes today's zoom call Nate McMillan looks like a guy who has figured something out. He looks like a guy, and this is hard to say, right? I mean, I don't, I haven't spent an enormous amount of time with Nate McMillan, and he usually, you know, he plays his card or holds his cards pretty close to his chest. But it seems like he feels really, really good yeah. about the Pacers matching up with the Heat. Like he knows something that he's not telling us but he knows that they've got a, a path toward success and you know you can you sometimes you get a good read on nate and and this it, it the winning game one is going to be tough i think they got to win game one to win this series yeah. but it seems like nate feels really really good about his team right now yeah, well, I mean, the thing is they've known that they're probably going to play them for a long time, so they probably have some things up their sleeves, and whether we want to, you know, read too much in that Monday game or not, that could have been a little bit of a uh, a sample size of, hey, let's see what we can do against this team, let's try some different things out, let's see what works and doesn't work. Maybe they were just trying to get a feel for what Miami was going to do. There's a possibility of that, and maybe they didn't want to show too much of their hand, you know, trying to uh, keep it very close. Uh, to them so they can figure out what exactly they have that they can use against Miami, which I'm not sure what they can do, but I, I definitely think that a lot of it evolves around Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Oladipo because those two guys are going to have to play like they did against the Lakers on Saturday in the bubble game back a couple about a week and about eight, nine days ago. Everything's running together now. Um, yeah. yeah, so uh, the way they played against the Lakers, I think, is what you're going to have to expect uh, from them. In a, in a game, in a series against the Heat, if you expect to win. But the Lakers, they didn't defend, right? So, yeah. it, granted, the, the Pacers' effort against the Lakers was was greater compared to the Lakers than it was to the Heat because the Heat fought. Like, the yeah. Heat came out and they played hard. The Lakers didn't do that, and that's why I think that the Lakers are going to get beat at some point. They're not going to get to the finals because they don't defend for 48 minutes, and they won't. And somebody that they play against is going to yeah. the heat. They, they are disruptive on the ball. They're disruptive off the ball. They get in the passing lanes. They're really well coached. Their schemes are sound. The guys, they execute them at a really high level and that's going to make them very, very tough to beat. And Nate said today, cause I asked him, I said, well, what do you guys need to do to be able to compete with the heat at a level you didn't last Monday? And he said, we have got to do everything at a higher level. We, we've got to cut like it's meaningful. We've got to set good screens. We have to, we, if we're running some action, we've got to sell it. You know, if, if, if we're trying to make them buy something, we've got to sell it to create openings someplace else. And, and I think he likes his group, but I do think, I think health is an issue with these guys. You know, Brogdon, not playing a gob. TJ was limited today in practice, as were some other guys. Domas, uh, not yet back to where he can he can join the Pacers in the bubble. And if he does, 
he's got a five day, four or five day quarantine that he's got to he's got to sit through. So, you know, not the best of circumstances for the Pacers, but what they've got to do, the guys on the floor, they got to execute and and they have to play with an intensity that at least equals the heat. And that's going to be really hard to do. Well, I hate to say this, Kent, because I don't like to share a lot of personal things, but last night I had the most w- crazy dream, and I had a dream that DeMontis Sabonis <laughs> came back yeah, uh, came back into the playoffs. I don't know what game it was, but I just remember being like, oh, hey, there's Domas. And it's like, well, why was that in my dream? I don't remember anything else. It was just that Domas was playing in the playoffs. So um, maybe that is a, a vision. I don't know. I hope it is. But, um, yeah, I mean, when it comes when it comes down to it, Kent, this this is a really tough series. We know what Miami does well. We know what the Pacers do well. But I think because the Pacers are a little bit different, and Miami's a little bit different, because you got to remember, all year long, Miami was big. They played Bam Adebayo and Myers Leonard in that starting lineup. The Pacers right. had Sabonis and Turner. Now they both kind of had to go small ball, and you kind of wonder, hey, did Miami change that up a little bit, A, because they figured they'd play the Pacers in round one, and they knew no Sabonis was going to be a uh, you know possibility once they – you know, dismissed him with the plantar fasciitis. I mean, I wonder if they kind of altered it because their big lineup worked really well. It was kind of silly uh, to see them change it without really needing to since Myers Leonard is available. Um, But, yeah, I just think Jay Crowder is one of those guys where I don't know. I just don't really like him. I don't feel like he's a guy that you can – he's very inconsistent. So any any production you get from him, like if he misses his first two threes, I think you're in good shape because he's going to keep shooting them. But if he hits a couple, then, you know, he could hit (laughs) six or seven that game. So it's it's a confidence thing for him. He's kind of like the J.R. Smith factor where he sees a couple go in, he's going to shoot them. To, and he's going to shoot the lights out. But if he sees them not go in, he's still going to shoot them, but they're going to be misses. So I, I really think this is a series where if we see Victor Oladipo take advantage of his matchup, shoot the ball well, and you know really be efficient on both ends of the floor, that is what I think could really change this series. If Victor Oladipo can be 85% of who he was two years ago, that will change it for me as far as how competitive the Pacers can be. Um, but but it comes down to Malcolm Brogdon has to beat his matchup because he has in those series. There's not a good matchup for Malcolm Brogdon for the Heat unless they put Jimmy Butler on him, which means and they're going to have a tough time guarding T.J. Warren. So it, it's it's really a tough situation, I think, because the Pacers probably have uh, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth best players in this series where I think Miami has one and two. So they yeah. got to figure out that balance and they got to figure out a way to, you know, while Miami would be really great at this, the Pacers have to figure out what they're not really great at. And I think that's attacking guys like Duncan Robinson, because I think Jay Michael pointed out on Twitter, you notice they cover a lot for Duncan Robinson, uh, the way they play. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. They do. And, and I mean, that's, he is who he is. There's a reason that Duncan Robinson started his collegiate career at Williams before transferring to Michigan, right? You know, he is an elite-level shooter. He is a really good offensive player. He's not that great defensively, so you do have to you do have to find a way to attack there. But they are really, really sound in the way they help and the way they guard on ball. And I think it's going to be – like, it, the thing with Victor – is that there are times, and and the game against the Suns was a a game like this, where he thinks he's got to take over and take 22 shots. And when Victor Oladipo takes 22 shots, the Pacers have no chance to win. I mean, we've seen that historically. When he's around 15 or fewer shots, they're really good. When he lets the game come to him, they're really good. They can be good. When he tries to force the activity and, and... take advantage of what he perceives to be a matchup advantage the Pacers have real difficulty scoring the basketball efficiently and for the Pacers to win that's what they're going to have to do and against the Heat it is really tough because like we said their on-ball defense is always sound and their off-ball defense is really really good they help at an outstanding level they they are almost never out of position and they're in constant activity and, and, you know, we've heard Dan Dockage say this on the radio for years. And, and before that, if you spend time with him, the more active team is going to win 90% of the time. Yeah. Well, and one thing I'll say, I mean, Jimmy Butler is the type of leader that, you know, people might hate, people might like. But I think the Miami Heat players absolutely adore Jimmy Butler, and they look up to him as their leader. Um, what he did against the, the Thunder – 
in the bubble I thought was, you know, something like, you know, I'm 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 a more of a Thunder fan than I am a than a Miami Heat fan, there's no doubt about it. But, you know, Chris Paul, Duncan Robinson get into it. Chris Paul throws the ball at Duncan Robinson, kind of a little bit over the top when he threw the ball at him. Next play down, Chris Paul goes up for a layup and Jimmy Butler puts him on the floor. And yeah. Jimmy Butler said, Hey, you're not gonna mess with my young guy like that. I I wanna see that out of a guy like Brogdon, out of a guy like Oladipo. Yeah. You gotta you gotta be a little tougher and, and you gotta be able to, you know, lead by example. And you know, we've had the debate who's the leader on this team. Um I thought it was funny because Malcolm Brogdon in a in an interview, I don't know if it was with uh, I, I don't I forget who it was with, but I remember him in a in a video saying, I was brought here to be the leader of this team. So, you know, he said that himself. Hey, if Jimmy Butler is going to be messing with T.J. Warren, you got to put that to bed. You got to make sure that Jimmy Butler does, you know, does not affect the way T.J. plays, and you got to make sure you stand up for him. Don't don't leave T.J. hanging by himself. This has got to be a collective thing, and I want to see this team gel, grow together. But that's one thing the Heat definitely have on the Pacers is they are a more coherent unit. They love each other. They play for one another. The Pacers. Um, I think T.J. McConnell's that guy that can kind of rally everybody together because I think he's going to be a huge difference maker. But at the end of the day, the Pacers, in my opinion, they're going to have to hit some threes because if they continue to lose a rebounding battle, um, more threes they hit, the more likely they're going to be able to stay in a game. If they're missing their threes and not winning the rebounding battle, it's going to be ugly. You know, I don't know with, with Sabonis being gone, I don't know that the Pacers have a guy who's going to challenge somebody at the rim and knock him on his ass. You yeah. know what I know? These are these are really really nice guys. It's a wonderful locker room to be around. It's it's tremendous to be around these guys and interview them. They're all very very giving in interviews. They are they are the nice guy champions of the NBA. I don't know whether that does you a lot of good in the playoffs. And I, so if if Butler's the guy who who's going to like he did with Chris Paul, put somebody down to to kind of teach provide a teaching moment for for the opposition i don't know who that guy is for the pacers it's not oladipo i've never seen brogdon do it maybe maybe i just didn't see it i don't see turner do that kind of thing maybe mcconnell maybe batadza but i don't i don't see the pacers having that guy who's going to say you know not not here like in hockey they don't have it so much anymore they've kind of taken fighting out of the game but used to have the thugs you know, if, if somebody if somebody laid out Wayne Gretzky, the Oilers or the Kings or the Blues or Rangers, whoever he was playing for, they had a guy who came off the bench and he he taught the lesson. Yeah. I don't see the Pacers having that guy, and and that to me is a problem because over a seven game series, the more active team and the tougher team is usually going to win. I always see like toughness is not a word that I would use to describe the Pacers. They. They can be efficient. They can be productive. They can play together. They have good chemistry. But toughness, I, I don't see a lot of it. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to des- describe the the way this team plays. Um, I guess you could say yeah. together. I mean, I don't even know if it's even together. It's uh, it's just solid. I guess that's the word McMillan always uses, uh, solid basketball. So um, it's, it's fun to watch them play. They play hard, and uh, they go out there and compete. But... You know, they're going to defend well. I think the Pacers are going to defend this Miami Heat team well. Miami might hit some shots, but that's just the nature of the beast, no matter who you're playing. Um, but they're going to fight hard. I, I think one of the the sneaky matchups that I'm interested in seeing is uh, Doug McDermott going up against some of these guys off the bench. And I'm also curious to see what Doug would look like if maybe you subbed him in early for Aaron Holiday and let him run with the starters. Because I think if there's a lot of shot creators out there, whether McConnell's out there or not, I think that that could benefit Doug McDermott on some catch and shoots instead of trying to like basically run the offense through him with the second unit, especially with no Sabonis. Um, I feel like that might be a little problematic. It might be a little predictable, and I'm sure that McMillan's got it staggered where he's not going to have that whole entire bench unit in there at one time uh, in the playoffs because if they do, they're just going to get completely obliterated. But I would like to see McDermott with the starters a little bit just so we can see if he's able to spread the floor, A, and B, knock down some shots if they have to help off of us attacking Duncan Robinson. Yeah, I, I think that that would be, depending on what, what the Heat have on the floor, like I would say, like if you could match up McDermott with Robinson, I would give the Pacers the advantage in that matchup all day long. You know, so if, if, if he's on the floor – 
you can have McDermott on the floor and, and you're going to be in good shape. It's going to be, and, and that's kind of where Nate's got to, where Nate's got to do his work, right? Is work the matchups as, as often in the Pacers favor as he can. But again, you know, I, I went back not to belabor this, but, and this is maybe more important in the NFL, but if you've ever seen like the, the Baltimore Ravens, of the two, early 2000s with Ray Lewis, that group of guys, Ed Reed, when they got off the bus, you were like, holy hell, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to play against these people. You know, my God almighty, they're going to kill us. You know, they just had that look to them. And and I think when the Pacers get off the bus in the bubble or, or in other arenas around the country, Pacers get off the bus, I don't see them kind of bringing an opponent to fear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You got guys, they're happy, they got their headphones on, they're kind of smiling, they're dancing, Vic's dancing. It, you don't see like this steely resolve, we have come here to beat your ass. <laughs> I, I, don't, I just don't see that from the Pacers, and I, I think that that's a problem. Yeah, it is. And one, real, one quick thing to go back to McDermott, I think he'd be okay against uh, Jay Crowder. I don't think Jay would be able to do yeah, much against yeah. him. Jay's not great off the dribble. Uh, he's more of a catch-and-shoot guy. He might try to punish McDermott down low, but I think McDermott's big enough to handle it. So I'd be okay with that matchup. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's no guy that you're just afraid of. I mean, unless the Pacers can get Alizé Johnson from Friday's game to go out there and get 17 boards and just play aggressive. Yeah. Uh, I do like the way that he plays aggressively, but, I mean, he's not that guy in, in a real playoff no. series. And, you know, I guess the only guy that I think you would – maybe think could be a little bit of a uh could be a little bit of a jackhammer is uh Jakar Sampson uh just because he's so aggressive and it might just be out of pure aggression not even trying to hurt somebody I know uh Goga might get annoyed uh <laughs> we saw him get annoyed yeah. against Dwight Howard I brought that up I know he was uh in a war like you said several times so um you know <laughs> I don't I just don't see him as the enforcer I know Miami Heat fans are already mad at him for uh, setting a screen on Derek Jones Jr., which ended up causing him to have that injury. Thankfully, Derek Jones Jr. is not uh, severely hurt. It uh, looks like he might be able to come back for this series. So, so you know, but yeah, I'm a. But yeah, I uh, I really do believe that uh, that um, Goga could be a be a factor here, Kent. And um, I'm not sure exactly how much we can count on Goga in this series, but he might have to be that intimidator that you've been talking about. Well, and he's got that in him, right? We know he's from war-torn Georgia, where he had to live on the streets for like 18 months, and and his country fighting with themselves, fighting in the streets. This guy grew up around that kind of thing. And and Goga is not going to run scared of anybody. The the problem with Goga is that he gets lost a little bit, and from a, a muscular standpoint against some bigs, he really gets exposed. Against the Heat, Maybe that's not as big a problem, and uh, I and I like Goga. I think offensively, he's a, he can score two handed. He's a guy who can shoot threes. He's going to get better at that over time. I mean, if if we're relying on Goga Batadze to win this series for the Pacers, that isn't going to happen. Yeah. But I think that I think you're right. He can give him some minutes, and he can be a guy who protects the rim a little bit. He's a really good athlete, and and defensively, he's a bit of a presence. So, you know, we'll see. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it will be fun. I think this series will be a good learning point for the Pacers. Kind of see what they have. I mean, it sucks there's no Sabonis. I I just want to see – I wish we could have seen this team fully healthy. And uh, I brought it up last week with Fachi. It's like you kind of forget that Jeremy Lamb was a part of this team as well. I mean, yeah, just right. he was so easily replaced, and I hate to say it easily, but the bench played so well that it didn't feel like that big of a loss. But Jeremy Lamb would probably have been starting in this lineup over Aaron Holiday, and he's a guy that can create his own shot. He's big enough. I think he could have been kind of an X-factor type player uh, to really help this team, and it would have helped McMillan stagger the minutes. He might have he might have started Aaron still, and, and brought Jeremy off the bench just to kind of help stagger those lineups. But yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just telling you, with this Pacers team fully healthy, it's just we haven't got a real chance to see it all year long, and that's why it's like when you see this series, it's like I don't think the Pacers are that far off against the Heat when it comes to talent. But without your without two of your six best players, two of your seven best players. It's just really hard to to want to to be able to pick them in a series. And the other thing about Jeremy Lamb is he's really really long. 
Yeah. You know, so if, if you've got Jeremy and then you've got Sumner and you've got Justin Holiday, those three guys have great length. Vic's got great length. And, and so you wind up being a team defensively that's very hard to play against because they're going to be able to get into the passing lanes in a way that maybe you don't with Aaron Holiday. He's, he's not short armed, you know, but he's not, he's not, you know, Jeremy Lamb, for goodness sake. Um, uh, and you're right. Jeremy Lamb's kind of that Swiss Army knife guy who, who can play a bunch of different spots. He can score. He can facilitate a little bit. He's good at creating space when he's got the ball. He, he, they do miss him, and we do forget about him. And because they went six and two in the bubble, we kind of we remember that Domas Sabonis is a really good player, but we sort of forget what they're missing without him. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that over a seven game series, you're really maybe in a one off, you, you can you can overcome that the loss of an all star. But in a seven game series, you're going to miss Domas Sabonis a lot. Yeah, and what's funny is if you go back and look at their rebounding totals, I mean, this whole entire bubble, through eight games, the Pacers only out-rebounded the um, out-rebounded their opponents in two games, and that was by two against the Heat on Friday, and then they out-rebounded the Rockets by nine. So they ended up finishing, I think, minus 51 on the glass in those eight yeah. games. So, I mean, that's a huge difference. And if you take eight games, divide that by – or 51 divided by eight – that's around, I mean, it's like uh, seven and a half boards a game, something like that, seven boards, six boards a game. So the, obviously that's where you can put Sabonis in there. Obviously you take some away from Turner or some away from the guards and give those to Domas. But I think he makes that, he helps bridge that gap so much more. And, you know, that that's why the thing, like I know, I know a lot of people were shocked by the extension of Nate McMillan uh, that came out last week. It happened in July. Um, which we, nobody knew about. And, you know, it's like uh, I know you're all on board with Nate being the coach. Yep. And I'm okay with it. That's how I'll put it, Kent. I'm fine. I think he was deserving of the extension. I don't think that he's done anything that warrants a firing. But I do think that modern offense would be a little bit better to see. I know that the old school ball, some people like it. I mean, I have friends that thought, oh, he's he should get this opportunity. I think he's a great coach for this team. Then I have talked to people that are like, I really don't like this, like this move. But um, with McMillan, I mean, everything that's gone against him since he's got here, I mean, he had to deal with Paul George drama. The only year he didn't have drama was the year they traded for Vic and Sabonis. They took LeBron to seven games. The fact they even took LeBron to seven games is a miracle in itself, and some people try to hold that against McMillan, and then he gets swept the next year. So really, even though we don't have Domas, we don't have Jeremy Lamb, if McMillan gets swept again, that, I mean, we have the Heat winning in six, but if the Pacers get swept, is that a knock on Nate, or is that more of a lack of the players not executing? Oh, I think it's on the players. I, I, I don't see it being on Nate. I mean, they've got to share it, I guess. You know, I mean, if you're the coach of a team that gets swept and it's a 4-5 matchup, that's a little bit problematic. You know, the seven-game series against the Cavs, that was the best anybody played them until they got to the NBA Finals. After the, the Pacers took them to seven, they swept the Raptors, and then and, uh, they play. I think they beat the Celtics in five, and, and in two of those games, you know, the uh, I think I'm get, I may be getting my ears a little bit screwy, but, uh, you know, the Celtics against the Cavaliers in one of those series wound up losing by more than 30 points in, in two of those games. And the Pacers always come out, and they always fight hard mm-hmm. in, in the playoffs, and they, you know, they were outmanned against the Cavaliers. You can't hold that against Nate. Two opening round losses to the team that went to the NBA Finals is not exactly something you should hang your head in shame about. And then, you know, losing when Oladipo went out last year. What are you going to do? You lost your all-star, for God's sake. And you lost your best player. And they kind of fell apart after they were 32 and 15, if I remember correctly. And then the remainder of the season, they were 15 and 17 without Oladipo. And then they get swept in the playoffs. How in the world are they supposed to, with that team that they had, how could they compete? Yeah. You know, I, I think that Nate's done a good job, given the level of talent and the level of injuries he's had to withstand. And and we've got it again this year. I, Warren is not going to be 100% with a plantar fasciitis. And Domas is not there. Lamb's not there. It, Brogdon is in and out of the lineup. 
and and Oladipo is still trying to get back to a hundred percent. So, you know, it, whatever they do in this series, you got to look at next year if they can stay healthy and if Oladipo wants to remain here. They could be a team that could really, if they stay healthy, they could raise some hell in the Eastern Conference with Nate as the coach. And the thing you got to remember, these people are like calling for Nate's head. Who are you going to go out and get? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not but... just, you don't just fire a guy. You got to go hire a guy. So who are you going to hire who's going to be a better coach for the, these guys than Nate McMillan? That's the question that Kevin Pritchard had to answer and did answer in giving Nate that extension. Yeah, I, I think that whole narrative a little bit of who you're going to go hire. I mean, there's so many coaches out there, Kent. I, I think if you're if you're continuing to be mediocre, um, especially after this extension is over with McMillan, I think if the Pacers continue to finish in the same same range, four to six, whatever, and continue to get beat in the first round, I think a change is necessary. Whether it's Mc, whether you know he does worse or better than McMillan, I mean, if you're just afraid to make a change because you know. <laughs> You uh, you're you're comfortable where you're at. I, I think that's not okay. I think that if you continue to be mediocre, you need to try to better yourself. And if you swing and a miss, you swing and a miss. Uh, go out there and, and just try because there's so many coaches. There's so many coaches that you know could su- succeed. And we, there's there's Nick Nurses hidden in other places. There's Taylor Jenkins hidden on places. Uh, there's a lot of coaches that are stars now in the league, and they weren't even stars when they came up. So it, it's just the matter of finding that guy. And or woman, whoever they go after, to be that coach. But um, yeah, so I don't really have too much else to say on this series. It's it's pretty much what we've seen is what we're going to get, and um, it's going to be a fun series. But I am curious, Kent, uh, just looking at the rest of these playoff series. Uh, do you want to just go through real quick and give out your predictions for the entire NBA playoffs? Sure. All right. Well, let's start in the Eastern Conference. We got the Bucks versus the Magic. One eight matchup. Who you got in that series? Yeah, the the Bucks are going to roll over the top of the Magic <laughs> as long as uh, Antetokounmpo doesn't hit somebody and get suspended again. I think they could win without Giannis in that series. To be honest with you, <laughs> I got them winning in three. Uh, if I could pick a three game sweep, I would. So, uh, Toronto Brooklyn. Does that matchup intrigue you at all? No, that's going to be Toronto. Uh, Raptors are really good. They're really long. They're you know productive in a whole lot of different ways. Uh, and Anobi is playing really good basketball. I, I like the Raptors all day in that series. Okay, I, I too think the Raptors, I think they're actually going to get a sweep here against the Nets as well. Now the the intriguing matchup, we got Boston-Philadelphia. Who do you got in this series? Yeah, that depends on the health of the 76ers. You know, if, if Embiid can go 35, 37 minutes and be really productive, then I think they got a shooter's chance against the Celtics. Otherwise, you know, I, I mean, you talk about injury problems. You lose Joel Embiid, or at least he's reduced in his availability and his productivity, and then you lose Ben Simmons, and and all of a sudden the Celtics, you talked about the Heat having the best two players in their series. I think the Celtics would probably have the best five in their series, and that becomes really a competitive uh, once you start playing a team repeatedly. I think the team that plays hardest, and is most talented, and and I think the Celtics would be. All of a sudden, they look really, really good, and and maybe another opportunity for a sweep. Yeah, so I too have Boston. I think I have Boston in six, just because I think that I think that Philadelphia has enough. I mean, if they get a really great game out of Embiid, they can probably win at least one. Then I think you got to count on uh, one of the three between Richardson, Harris. And Horford to have a good game with Embiid. I think Embiid is going to be pretty dominant in that series with my uh, with Boston only having Tice to defend him. It's going to have to. It's going to be those other guys stepping up and hitting some shots. So I, I think Boston wins that series in six. Uh, we already picked the Heat to beat the Pacers in a, in a six game series. So let's just keep going here. So it'd be Miami versus Milwaukee. Who do you got in that series? That's an interesting series, but I think again. Yeah, the best player on the floor by far is going to be on the Bucks, and I think that that guy is going to lead them over the top of the Heat. I, I don't think the Heat are, are going to be successful at all against the Bucks. I I agree with that one, and I think this could be the second round matchup of the uh, of the of the NBA playoffs, and that's Boston versus Toronto. Who you got in that one? That's a lot of fun, and and it would gall me because I love Brad Stevens, but uh, man, it's it's hard for me to pick against the Raptors. I, it, two of the best coaches in the NBA. 
that'd be fun to watch Stevens and Nurse go up against each other. That's a fun matchup. But I think uh, I, I think that's the Raptors. And what a job he's done. I mean, you lose Kawhi, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you you know you really haven't lost too much at all. And that's yeah. pretty unbelievable. Yeah, I'll take Toronto in six in that series. I'd probably Ooh. pick I I'd probably pick Milwaukee in six over uh over the Heat. So now we got Milwaukee versus Toronto. I want to know who you got coming out of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I'll take the Bucks. All right, again. I'll I'll take the Raptors. Really? I'm picking Toronto and it's uh wow. I it's funny because before the season started, my prediction was they'd miss the playoffs because I thought they were gonna trade away all their vets. After losing yeah. Kawhi, I thought they were going to go in a different direction, uh, build around Siakam and the young guys. But no, I mean, Lowry's a baller. Uh, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Saul are two great bigs to have on your team because, you know, you can go small and put Ibaka at the five with Pascal Siakam, or you can play super big. So they can do whatever they want. They match up so well with Milwaukee. And I think that their experience from last year and people kind of writing them off is just fueling their fire. So, yeah, I've got, I've got Toronto making the uh, NBA Finals, Kent. I hate it because I, I they're not they're not Americans, you know they're, they're <laughs> oh Canadians. stop it I don't no, need Canadians. it's a Canadian team I don't team. need the Blue Jays doing stuff in baseball I don't need it, the only thing where I've got no problem with Canadians exerting some dominance in sports is in hockey that's their game if the Canadians or the Oilers or the Maple Leafs if they do something and they win a championship all good but stay out of American sports and and no more championships for the Canadians. Well, I don't really consider it Canadians <laughs> when most of their players are American or not even from Canada. So, uh, yeah, I got the Raptors going to the final. So let's go quickly to the Western Conference. we got Lakers sure. Blazers. Uh, go ahead and give me your prediction for that one real quick. You know, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Because Damian Lillard's really, really good and playing at an unbelievable level, and the Lakers can't defend anybody. I think that's going to be a an interesting series, but I do think in the end the Lakers wind up winning. Yeah, I think Dame's going to be tired. That's my only fear. The The Blazers have been playing the last two weeks like their hair is on fire and their life depended on it because it really did. So, I mean, I think they're going to be a little tired. I, the Lakers do kind of scare me um, as far as what to – you know what they're going to be doing because I think they're so unpredictable. Uh, we know LeBron and AD are great, but are there other supporting cast members going to help out enough? Uh, we've seen where it doesn't really matter as far as who LeBron has on his team, but he has Anthony Davis. Uh, I, I've got the Lakers winning this one in six. Uh, Rockets Thunder four five matchup. I went ahead and picked the Rockets to win this in seven, but I think it's a coin toss here. I really like the Thunder. I do. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's a coin toss. But I'm going to take the Thunder because I don't like the way the Rockets play. Yeah. I, I, they got your favorite Harden, player, though. I think is unbelievable. I, yeah. He, well, he offensively is absolutely dominant. Like, uh-huh. what did he do against the Pacers, right? What was it 35-17, and 3 That's a hell of a line for a guy. Um, James Harden, though, I, I just I, – I hope – that that the way they play is is not somehow validated with a championship at some point because I don't like watching that kind of basketball offensively. It just doesn't work for me stylistically. So I hope I root against the Rockets because I don't want to see a lot of teams mimic what they do. Yeah, well, I think a lot of teams are mimicking somewhat of they do, but I think that they uh, some of what they do, but I do think that. Uh, they're a little too small to really win seriously in a, in a playoff series. But let's move on to the three six. We got the Nuggets versus the Jazz. Uh, looks like Mike Conley left the bubble for the birth of his child, so they'll be without Conley. Um, I already like Denver in this matchup, anyways. But I, I I had it in six, but I didn't know about Conley, so I'd probably pick the Nuggets in five. Yeah, I, I think it's the Nuggets. And uh, I like the Jazz, though. I, uh, but principally, I mean, here's how I look at stuff. Hey, what do I care about Denver and Utah, right? I have no reason to root against or for either of these teams mm-hmm. other than the Indiana guys who play for them. And so with Conley out, uh, the Nuggets have got Gary Harris. And so I'm going to go ahead. I'll, I'll root for Denver, and I believe they're going to win outright anyway. All right. And then the last matchup in that first round is Clippers-Mavericks. Um, I think the Clippers win this one in five. Uh, I think Luka gets one game, but that's it. I think the Mavericks are going to sweep the Clippers, and Paul George <laughs> is going to miss a game winner four times. Oh, and, stop uh, it. Stop He's going to be it. sent home. He hadn't won a playoff series since 2014. Yeah, but he's I don't never... think he's going to come in and win this one. You really don't think the Clippers are going to beat them? <laughs> 
Come on. They have a guy I'm named Kawhi Leonard. I, I, look, I pick with my heart. I, okay, I'm not picking that's fine. with my brain. Anybody, nobody's going to, you know, no logical human being's going to pick a seven over a two, right? But, yeah, I'm picking with my heart. I, I do not want Paul George to win any kind of series. I want the national media finally, once and for all, to look at Paul George and say, what the hell's the matter with this guy? He never wins in the postseason. He doesn't make game winner, game winning shots, and he can't win a playoff series. How good is he really? When we start hearing that on, uh, you know, when Rachel Nichols comes with that during that NBA jump show, then I'm going to feel very good, and I'm going to start watching that show again. Don't watch the jump. It's a joke of a show. Um, It is. But uh, what I will say is Zach Lowe on his podcast, uh, Zach Lowe writes for ESPN, he did say that he was enjoying the uh, Paul George and Damian Lillard back and forth, and he said, uh, unfortunately, Paul George has been eliminated from the playoffs like four or five years in a row, I believe it is now, uh, since basically uh, 2016 when we made the playoffs last time. So he's been eliminated in the first round. And he said, it also goes to show you that if Derrick Rose was healthy during those uh, Pacers heat years, he would never have made the Eastern Conference Finals either. He said, that just shows you how bad <laughs> the East was. So he said, Paul really didn't have any room to talk because Dame's level of competition that he's had to go up against is much stronger. But anyway, we'll move forward. Okay, so since you picked the Mavericks, we got Mavericks Nuggets on your side and Clippers Nuggets on my side. I'm going to go ahead and pick the Clippers. I know you're probably going to pick the uh, the Nuggets here to beat the Mavericks. Yeah, I'm going to pick the. Although, um, here's another thing is I've got a really rare Luka Doncic uh, uh, rookie card that grades like, I think it's a 9.5, if not a 10. And so it's worth a few hundred bucks. The the better Luka does, the higher the value of that card. So I have a slight vested interest in Luka's success. So I'm going to pick the Mavericks uh, over the Nuggets because, I mean, why the hell not? Yeah, that would actually be a fun series. I think that could go yeah. six or seven, um, just because I like that matchup. I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure if uh, you know the Mavericks would have enough to uh, carry themselves past both the Clippers and the Nuggets. But hey, why not go all out? So then we got the um, <laughs> we got Thunder Rockets uh, versus the Lakers. I picked the Rockets. You picked the Thunder. But I think we'll both pick the Lakers here to uh, advance in this matchup. Yeah, I, I, I got to pick the Lakers until LeBron, you know, really gets beat significantly with a team around him. I'm going to believe they're going to go to the NBA Finals. Okay. You know, and, and so, yeah, I, I think the Lakers take that series. All right, so you just gave away your next series. So Luka yeah. does not get the passing of the mantle from LeBron. He gets stopped in a tough seven-game series, which just drives <laughs> your card up to a 9.7 value. Um, yeah, I'm going to pick the Clippers over the Lakers here, Kent. And uh, I've got the Clippers versus the Raptors in the, in the NBA Finals. I think it would be a really fun matchup. The team Kawhi left going up against Kawhi and Paul George and that super team. Um, and then you've got Lakers-Bucks, right? Yeah, I've got Lakers Bucks, and, and that's what I had before the season started. I've really seen nothing that makes me believe that anything else is going to happen. You know, we tend to believe what we've seen, and we've seen LeBron James be really, really good and get to the NBA Finals over and over and over again. I think in a matchup between LeBron James and Paul George that LeBron wins that series and goes to the finals against the Bucks. Yeah, I, I you know, it's going to be tough. I mean, it's it's really hard to predict this Lakers team right now because they've been so bad in the bubble. They haven't really shown you a ton. Uh, the Clippers really have been kind of hard to figure out all year because they haven't all been healthy. They've been resting a lot of guys. Will that make a difference? The Nuggets are a new-look team. Rockets without uh, Russell Westbrook for the first round. And so the Jazz, we already mentioned their injuries with Bojan and Mike Conley. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it's just a weird year, man. But uh, anything can happen. That's why I like the two seeds uh, going up against each other. Little March Madness. We got the weird, crazy schedules. I think the Pacers play at four o'clock in a playoff series yep. on Tuesday. I hate that for a guy that has to work like myself. And then Thursday at one o'clock. I mean, is this on True TV or what? So uh, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's just uh, it's a weird thing. But hey. Uh, we can always go back and watch it. It does make uh, it's great for my podcasting schedule, so I can record after the games and not have to be up super late. But um, anyway, Ken, I think that kind of wraps up everything. Any final thoughts on this Pacers Heat series before we sign off? I I'm looking forward to these playoffs like a kid at Christmas, right? I mean, you mentioned it. They're going to start at one thirty, four o'clock, six thirty, and nine. You're going to have Waldo. It's going to be like Christmas Day in the NBA. 
day after day after day with a playoff, if not atmosphere, at least intensity. I think mm-hmm. this going to be fantastic. I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And I'm not saying that the Pacers can't beat the Heat. I just don't think they will. So, hey, let's root for them like crazy. Yep. Let's go Pacers. Beat the Heat. I hate the Heat. I've said that several times. And uh, I still hate their fans. Uh, it, awesome. felt gr- it felt great to see the Pacers get the four seed and beat them in the season standings, even though it was a glorified scrimmage game on Friday. It was still great that the Pacers beat the Heat and didn't have to have that little mark on their on their uh, schedule saying that they never beat them this season. So I'm all for it. Let's go beat the heck out of the Heat, and let's move on and play Milwaukee. Why not, Kent? Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I, all, all day and twice on Sunday. I, I can't wait for that because I, I do think – I think it's going to be at least six, and so yeah. that makes it fun. And then, uh, you know, if, if they can somehow get by the Heat, hey, you got a shooter's chance against the Bucks. let's go see what happens there. I think it is going to be the Heat and the Bucks. but what the hell do I know? Be competitive is all I ask. Don't get swept. Don't get embarrassed. Come out and play with all your heart and make us proud to be Pacer fans. All right. Yeah, exactly. Th- that wraps it up for another episode of Setting the Pace. Kent Sterling is on Twitter at Kent Sterling. I'm at Alex Golden NBA and Pacer Nation. Hope you guys have enjoyed this episode, and you guys can also check out our length, lengthy preview on YouTube. It's about a 13, 14-minute video with Chris Denary, Jeremiah Johnson, Kent's on it, I'm on it, Mike Focci's on it, Tony East, Kevin Bowen, uh, Derek Schultz, Mark Schindler. If I'm missing anybody, I'm sorry, but I believe that's most of it. I, Tyler Smith as well. So there should be eight guests on there. Um, that video will be available on YouTube Monday morning, so hope you guys check that out. And until next time, we'll talk to you all later. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.